Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at night, at your right hand, sorry. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Fiona. Father God, we do thank you for the truths of Scripture. And we pray, Lord, that as I invite Steve to come to speak to us, that you would use him, that you would speak through him, and that you would minister to us all. In Jesus' name. Good morning, everyone. Um, I'm part of the Regions Beyond ministry from this church. And um, I was at the Soul Survivor event this week uh, at the Stafford Showground. 5,000 young people in an atmosphere saturated with the presence of God. 16-year-olds praying for the adults and seeing results. And just awesome worship and ministry across the place. Absolutely wonderful. Um, as a result of it, I've been invited to Central Asia to help believers there uh, in relating the good news about Jesus to Muslims in their area. So the regions beyond bit continues. The other thing I wanted to tell you is that I mentioned last time I spoke, was it two weeks ago, something like that, um, that uh, a former colleague of Julia in Birmingham who now leads a Baptist church, and I said to you, usually two a week, are coming to faith in Christ. Well, that week, we got home, and she got the Facebook, whatever you get, not whatever, WhatsApp, <laughs> saying it was two that week. Last week, we, she got one. Five added to the Iranian group in that church, which meets on a Sunday afternoon or Saturday. Um, so... When we get home today, we'll see how many for this morning. But just so that you're aware that God is active in his world and in his church, and I'm encouraged this morning for the sense um, that this congregation is on the move. God, the impetus of the Spirit of God is uh, with you as a congregation. And it's been one of those mornings that I needed to get up and speak now before there's anything left of the sermon to say. Because it's all coming out uh, through the service. And that says, hmm, perhaps somebody was designing this service beyond um, ourselves. I'm not sure if we've... Oh, I haven't got the clicker, by the way. Oh, it's here. Okay. 
What do I have to do? Oh, no. Please, Lord. This is one that we really need it. So I'll start. Um, as Ant said, we are on a series, The Song of Ascent, or The Songs of Ascent. Um, you could call them the Psalms of Ascent, because a psalm is a song. <coughs> and uh, there are 15 of them, and you're going to hear a little bit more about 15 as we go through this morning. Um, they were, would have been sung, as Ant said, by the, it's going to be a lot of as Ant said, <laughs> um, or as one of the songs said. Um, they would most likely have been sung uh, by the Jewish exiles returning to Jerusalem from Babylon. And Ezra chapter 2 tells us that 50,000 Jews returned. We need to be at the first one, I think. That'll be good. Um, 50,000 Jews, can't get this down. 50,000 Jews uh, returned. And among them was a choir of 200, says Ezra 2.65. Number two, please. Brilliant, Jamie. Doing a great grand job. Isaiah describes it like this. Many people shall say, come and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord. What's there? As Ant said. To the house of the God of Jacob, and the word of the Lord shall go out from Jerusalem. So, oh, sorry, you're doing it. Uh, or are you doing it? I'll do it. I've got it. I've got the bother. This is my party. Okay. <laughs> and I'll cry if I want to. Right. Um, I've got the bother. Right. Um, so, this is what it looked like. Um, this house of the God of Jacob, from which the word of the Lord will go out. It was the temple. And one writer in the Talmud, which is Jewish writings, he said, He who has not seen the rejoicing at the temple has never seen rejoicing in his life. Now, I attended a, a synagogue with Andy uh, and a friend not long ago, and it just feels remarkably, the culture, remarkably like uh, institutional Christianity, uh, to the tea and biscuits afterwards and stuff. And I'm thinking... I know the heritage that you people are from. And I used to live in the Middle East, so I have seen Hasidic Jews going for it. And many Christians have problems with the likes of Soul Survivor or Toronto. You should be in Jerusalem at a feast day. You should see how the Jews rejoice. And I'm just so delighted by the songs we've had this morning, which are just hinting at this 
incredible thing we've got to rejoice about. And so you need to keep an eye on this one. Let's go a bit closer. Okay. Surrounding, let's just show you this. Um, this is the courts of the Gentiles, which comes down here, round there, and round there. That is where Jesus did most of his teaching in the city. It's where the early church began to meet, as well as meeting house to house. That's where they met. And then there is an inner court, and then there are some steps that go to the innermost court. So, we'll go closer now, and you can just about see the steps coming here. Can you see? Those are steps, semicircular. I'll go closer in a minute. Guess how many steps? 15. <laughs> Yay! 15. Hello. No, this is, oh dear. You, you know the Dome of the Rock? That's what is standing right where the Holy of Holies was. This is no more the Wailing Wall that you, today, it's all broken down, sorry. This is a bit tricky. From this side, this goes down to Kidron Valley and then up to the Mount of Olives. And the famous view of the city is looking at that, the remainder of the wall. The Wailing Wall is the other side, which is left today. Everything else, the Romans demolished in AD 70. So this is what it was at the time of Jesus. It's what it was at the time of Solomon, who built it originally. And it's how it was they put it back after the uh, exile to Babylon. They, they rebuilt so we're going closer. Now you can see the steps again. Yeah? Okay. So this is the inner court, but then the Holy of Holies is behind that door. So during the major feasts at the temple in Jerusalem, the crowds would party till dawn. <laughs> um, if only these people who need to get, these British people who need to get tanked up and go to Ibiza and party till dawn, they don't know what they're missing because this doesn't give you a hangover. The Jews parted until dawn. The rabbis boogied, bopped, pogo danced. And I've seen the, the Hasidics do it today, the twirlies. They pogo. You get them at the Wailing Wall and they're doing this because you have to worship God with all your being. Not just your heart and your mind and your soul, but with all your strength. And that's come as now a tradition. It's not particularly in the Bible. That's not what God meant particularly, but that's what they do. If you have ever wondered why they do that at the Wailing Wall. The Levites formed an orchestra. Here we go, guys. The Levites formed an orchestra providing a musical fanfare 
on the top step, right there by the door, like a platform. And it led to the upper court, or the Holy of Holies part, the sanctuary. The Levites also, from that top step, led spiritual songs, including 15 psalms. <laughs> and for each of the psalms, they went up a, a, a key, or a semi, because theirs isn't like our Western. Da, 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 da. They have more than us, semis. You know the Eastern thing. Okay. So they sang what the songs of ascent on each of the steps, going up one per step. And how many steps were there? Okay. So let's go in again. There we are. You can count them if you want. Please don't. Please concentrate. You can go online and count them. On the three major Jewish festivals, which were Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, and Sukkot, which is the Feast of Tabernacles, the priests stood on the semicircular steps and sounded three blasts on the shofar horn. Yes, you know, you, you know about those. It's a ram's horn. They did this first... First of all, on the Feast of Rosh Hashanah, which they stood on the top step. Then, on the Feast of Yom Kippur, they did it on step number 10. Ten days after Rosh Hashanah. Then, on the Feast of Tabernacles, Sukkot, 15 days later, hello, Fifteen days later, they stood on the 15th step, which to my uh, mind probably meant they stood at the bottom. Yeah? So, do you see, this is, anybody like pomegranates? The Bible is like a pomegranate. You break it open, and there's whole loads of more goodies in different sacks, and then you break them open, and you think, whoa, there's more. The Bible is an amazing book. It actually sets the hairs on the back of your head tingling. Eat your heart out, Enid Blyton. So the Hebrew language is almost unique in the world in that each letter has a numerical value. And the songs, in the Songs of Ascent, David, the psalmist, sometimes used the, the word, the name for God, yud Hey. yud Hey. Can we do some audience participation? Would you like to say yud Hey? yud Hey. That's it. In Hebrew, the name yud Hey has a numerical value of 15. <laughs> 10 for Yud, 5 for Hey. And Isaiah used it in chapter 26, verse 4, where he says, For in God 
is the strength of the world. So in other words, creation itself came into being by yud hey. Yud means wisdom and the form of the world and its masculine. Hey means understanding and the matter, the atomic structure of the world. Paul said, by Jesus, all things hold together. And consider the atomic structure is held together by yud hey. Huh? And hey is feminine. So we have this incredible thing that 15 songs of ascent, 15 circular steps to the temple, and both are bearing witness to yud hey, uh, the name of God. Now, if that depresses you, fine. And Mary and Joseph would have sung the songs of ascent when they took Jesus to Jerusalem for his bar mitzvah. And that was during, the, I believe, the Feast of Passover in Luke chapter 2. And there it says, when Jesus was 12 years old, i.e. his bar mitzvah year, Mary and Joseph went up to Jerusalem for the Passover feast. And as they were returning, to, i.e. to Nazareth, the boy, Jesus, stayed behind in Yerushalayim. His parents thought he was in the caravan, so they went with a whole crowd, like Muslims go to Mecca. And um, they thought he was among their relatives and friends, but he wasn't. So just a little bit of background about the significance of, of this psalm and why it says some of the things it says because of this significance. So what about your life and my life in the light of the songs of ascent? I am with Sankey, the hymn writer. Anyone over 60? <laughs> Look at the ground now. Um, and you will remember, we're marching to Zion. We're marching upward to Zion, the beautiful city of God. Now, you notice how everyone that sang was over 60. <laughs> but notice it, we're marching upward to Zion, the beautiful city of God. That is a picture of the whole of our lives. We are marching to Zion. Some days you feel you're dragging yourself to Zion. Other days you feel, I'm marching to Zion. But that is the inspiration for us. Our lives in the lights of the Song of Ascent. And in the psalm, our connection with the Creator is established. Well, it's because of Yodhei, we've just seen. And he says, I will lift my eyes to the mountains. 
where does my help come from? My help comes from Yudhe, the maker of heaven and earth. So you notice the connection with the creator. The whole of our world. This is the worldview of the Bible. This is the worldview of the Christian. And when the TV talks about Mother Nature, Julia and I look at each other and say, it's like that um, hotel advert, Travada. <laughs> huh? And they say Mother Nature, and we look at each other and say, Father God, Mother Nature. That's a pagan thought. It's Father God, the Creator. And you say, well, Steve, you're getting into my sensibilities about evolution and all the rest of it. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. The biblical worldview, whatever you see scientifically, is not Mother Nature but Father God because the issue is there is a creation to account for. And if there is a creation, it begs the question of a creator. And everyone from some of the most eminent scientists, including Stephen Hawking, have been caught off guard affirming the fact. Now, let me quote uh, Professor John Lennox, who says, the mathematical numbers of the natural order are so perfectly fine-tuned, it's as though the universe knew humankind was coming. Hello? And when it comes to the universe, science asks how and when. But the Bible asks who and why. You with that? These two have been made to fight each other. And I am amazed that uh, a survey was done about 50 years ago about the beliefs, the spiritual beliefs of people in the science community. And something like 40% believed in the sort of God who answers prayer. And the same thing was done again about a decade ago. And guess what the results were? About 40% of the science community believes in the sort of God who answers prayer. And anyone who knows your history of science knows it was driven by Bible-believing theological people who pursued their worship into the study of the natural order. So the two domains of science and religion are different. So it's inappropriate to expect one to answer the questions posed by the other. There's some food for thought. <laughs> so this psalm is simply saying to us, the creation and its creator cause us to look up when we're in need and to look down when we're in blessing. Have you noticed that? <laughs> so worshippers en route to Jerusalem literally had to look up. I don't know if you guys, uh, we need to do a church visit to the Holy Land sometime, Dave. 
as you go, you literally drive, anyone who's been to Jerusalem? Okay, you, you know the windy road up. You literally go up the hill to Jerusalem, which stands about 6,000 feet above sea level. The road at the bottom is just below sea level. Okay, not as much as the Dead Sea, but just about, just below sea level. So you do march or drive up to Zion. And that's how it goes. They were climbing and they were looking up. Worship is elevated by high places, as Stephanie said, I think. No. Somebody said it. Yep, good. Uh, what a team. Um, high places become places of worship. Something about them, I'm not sure. That's why the powers of darkness do the same. But when they were there at the high place of the temple, they were looking down. And the view from uh, uh, the old city uh, is lovely. And if you go up any of the towers, St. David's Tower, uh, whatever, you'll see the view um, across Judea. Uh, and it really is lovely. So we join Karen Carpenter, uh, who sang, I'm on the top of the world. There's always a sniff in her songs. I'm on the top of the world. Yeah? looking down on creation. So, and the only explanation I can find, and if you keep it going, it's a wonderful um, kind of parallel of our relationship with Jesus Christ. Since, I, since you've been around, I'm on the top of the world. Now, isn't that what it is, Christians? Come on. Since he's been around, when Jesus comes, everything is different. The tenth of power is broken, says one of the Pentecostal hymns. When Jesus comes, all fear is gone. That's lovely. You're getting me preaching now. That's not the idea. Right. And Habakkuk, in chapter 319, he said, he said the same as Karen Carpenter, yet I will exult in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. God the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like Hind's feet, like a deer. He makes me walk on the high places, looking down in blessing. Do you get that? Now, the thing is, and we studied this in our uh, growth group, when Habakkuk was writing, the national mood was through the floor. It was as if it was Britain having just lost World War II, and 9-11 had happened, and then Brexit rolled into play. All at the same time, the national mood was through the floor. Which is why he said, though there be no herds in the stall, though there be no this, though that fails, the crops fail, though blah, 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 yet will I rejoice in the Lord. Yeah? And so that's the background to Habakkuk 3.19. He makes me to 
to walk on the heights. I need to look down on the problems. Somebody said in Yorkshire to me once, uh, when you're under circumstances, what was it he said? When they say, how are you doing under the circumstances? He said, I don't, I'm not under the circumstances. I never am because I believe in Jesus. Huh? I'm over the circumstances. <laughs> I can do all things through Christ, and I've never forgot that guy. Okay, so what can we celebrate? And let's, let's stop. Um, God is forever committed to you with covenant love. It's called hesed in Hebrew. Covenant love. And we've sung one of the songs, loving kindness. Even in Exodus 34, the Lord is compassionate, gracious, abounding in loving kindness and faithfulness. Hesed. It's a fret-busting psalm. Are you fretting? Do you need your fret-busting? God is consistently looking out for you 24-7. Verse 5a, the Lord watches over you. Verse 3, he who watches over you will not slumber nor sleep. And as George Verwer said, I was in a meeting with him and they'd bought the Logos ship. The, yeah? Anyone knows about OM? He started waking up at night because of the huge financial implications of buying a ship to take the gospel around the world. And he said, I got fed up of this. And he thought to himself, the Bible says God never slumbers nor sleeps. So why should I stay awake? There's no need two of us being awake. Because he will not miss a beat. He neither slumbers nor sleeps. Next, the psalm is reassurance boosting. If the other one is fret busting, this is assurance boosting. Protection, 30, uh, 360 degrees. Protection of mind, body, emotion, and spirit. Circumstance, verse 7, the Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. Having said that, it's also about realism. I was nearly stabbed to death in Morocco. I've been spat at in various parts of the world and uh, physically abused and stuff. Uh, for the gospel, and bad things can happen to Christians. I just heard last week somebody I met in uh, Afghanistan who leads an organization was killed, shot last week. A believer for the job he's doing. Bad things happen to Christians. So how do we square that with this psalm? And let me square it like this. We are kept according to God's sovereign purpose. It's not a magic wand. But it's an issue of divine permission. And that's what reassures me and has done for 40 years going into some of the most dangerous nations on earth for the cause of Christ. Nothing can happen to you and me but by his permission. And I want to say to some of you whose lives seem to be a catalogue of 
difficulties and pains. One day, we will get there and the embroidery will be turned over and we'll see not just the messy side that we see now. On that day, we'll see the perfection of what he's been doing throughout the years and certainly in our lives. Everything by his permission. This is why the Apostle Paul was able to say, all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose, Romans 8, 28. But that is the English language trying to cope with a guy who spoke more like Rowan Williams. I, yes, that's, that's fine. <laughs> you don't know Rowan Williams. One sentence lasting a paragraph. No wonder the, the press couldn't cope with him. They're just not intelligent enough. But anyway, the meaning of this verse is all things work together according to his purpose for the good of those who love God and are called. Can I say that again? You, you're familiar with the first version, which is in our Bible. Here's, here's the dynamic from the Greek. All things work together according to God's purpose. Who does it work together for according to his purpose? Answer. It works together according to his purpose for the good of those who love him and are called. Now, listen to this again when you get home. Go online. Speak to Pat if you don't know how to get online. She'll tell you. Deathly silence. Are, are you guys thinking? Okay. All things work together according to his purpose for the good of those who love God and are his call. And that equates to people I know personally who have been murdered for the name of Jesus Christ. The, the timing, people that have been bereaved, people that have faced divorce, people that have had bad stuff happen in their family. This is how I equate. He knows what he's doing. And lastly, this psalm is guidance promising. And I love it in verse 8. It says, the Lord will watch over your coming and your going, both now and forevermore. I'm just going to ask if we can have um, from the keyboards, um, the faithful one. We're going to just move into a, a response time because the, the sense was that the Lord may have something particular this morning he wants to do in your life, in, in your mind, in your body. And I still feel, Kev, we need to get those ears prayed for. In your emotions. Don't feel under pressure, Kev. I think we know each other. We know each other well enough. 
your emotion, your relationship, your circumstances, the whole of your life. It's called the shalom of God, the shalom, the peace. Salem in the Arabic language, the shalom of God in every area of our lives. Isaiah says, how can you say I am disregarded by God? Don't you know that the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth, Yudhei? He does not faint or grow weary. He gives power to the faint. And to him or her who has no might, he increases strength. Those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. Sing this song, shall we? Faithful one. Yeah. 